Well, hello and welcome to the Vineyard Church Podcast. Today is a big day. We are launching our new series called Bridging the Gap, and Pastor Chris is going to be sharing some big news about the future of our church. For the full video, make sure to go to vineyardwheeling.com so you don't miss anything. Here's Chris. Well, welcome, guys. Uh, isn't it cool to be a part of a church where God's changing people's lives and, and, uh, and changing a community as well? Uh, thank you, Ryan, for, for sharing with us this morning uh, via video. That was fantastic. And uh, just a picture of what God is doing in and through our church. If you're new with us, as Myron said, you picked a great weekend to be here. We're launching into a new sermon series. We've been in a sermon series for the last... Hmm, a long time uh, going through the book of Genesis, and we'll actually pick up at the end of this back up in Genesis and finish it off this year. Um, but we're going to hit the pause button for six weeks, and we're going to do this sermon series called Bridging the Gap, which I really think will be one of the most significant moments in the history of our church. And we've had a lot of significant moments. This church, as you're about to hear, has quite a history, and God has done a lot through it. But I believe what is coming is going to be so exciting and so significant and have such high impact, not just on our community, but on us, the people who call this church home. And so I am super excited to get into this series. It's going to be six weeks long, and on your way in, you got a package of stuff, all right? And I just want to walk through this real quick. Uh, you got this squarish book. Got this? Everybody take this out. Open up to page one. And in there, there's a place that says, this notebook belongs to, and write your name in there. I want you to hold on to this for the next six weeks. Um, uh, take notes in it, write in it. Uh, there are uh, group questions. There's personal Bible study stuff, sermon notes. All that is in here for the next six weeks. Do not lose this. If you did not get one on the way in, you can grab one on the way out. But if you'll just write your name in there right now, this is your book. And here's what I want to encourage you to do. Be here every week. Uh, there is a difference between watching online and being here in person. And so for those of you who are watching online right now, um, come to the Capitol, uh, come hang out with the family of God, be with the people of God. It does, there's something, guys, can we, we just, for the people who are watching online, let them know there's a difference being here in person? Yeah, yeah that's right. You bet. You bet. So every week, be here in person if you can, and, uh, and make sure you bring your book along with you. You also got <clears throat> this Bridging the Gap commitment card. I don't want you to do, fill this out. I don't want you to do anything with this today other than take it home, tape it up somewhere where you're going to see it every day to remind you to pray and ask God how he would have you participate in what's going on and how he would have you make a difference. And then taped to this commitment card at the top, you're like, what's this little coin thing here? This is, some of, some of you got two because you're special, uh, but this is a, mine, or a uh, mite, a widow's mite. So in Luke uh, chapter 21, Jesus points out this woman who has nothing left but two of these pennies, this would have been the pennies of Jesus' day, and throws them in the offering at the temple, and he points that out. And we'll actually talk about that passage here coming up later in the series, but here's what I want you to do with this coin. Stick it in your pocket, and every time you stick your hand in your pocket and then feel this coin, let it remind you to pray. 
One of the things that I want you to do as we go through this series is to develop a conversational relationship with God where you're praying and where you're listening for his voice. And so these two things are the, the coin, the might, and the prayer card. These are, or the uh, commitment card, these are prayer reminders for you. So coin in the pocket. All right, this, tape this up on your mirror, refrigerator, wherever you will see it, and remember to pray. And then the last thing that's in there besides your regular program is a life group catalog. And if you've not gotten into a life group for this series, I strongly, strongly want to encourage you to do so. Uh, There is something that happens when we gather in small groups. There's a reason Jesus gathered 12 disciples around him to walk through the course of his ministry. He had big crowds like this, but he also had a small group that he kind of processed things with. And so there's a group going on almost every day, if not every day of the week. You should be able to find one that fits you. We're all going through the bridging the gap stuff. You're going to bring your your, um, your manual along. And so there's questions and your notes will be in there and then find a group. I'm leading a group on Thursday night uh, for folks that have never connected in a, a group before or you're like, I don't know anybody. Well, you know me. So come on Thursday night and join my group uh, or one of the myriad of other groups that we have going a lot of people stepped up and said, hey, I'll lead a group for this because it's that important. And they, uh, they are there and ready to welcome you with open arms. Really encourage you to come along in a group as well. All right. You ready? Yeah. All right. Me too. Um, you know, one of the things I love about the vineyard, this, this church has been around for 43 years. Did you know that? Planted in 1979. Uh, one of the things I love about this church and always have is that uh, we're church on the move. Like, we're not content to sit around and play church. We're not content to sit around and make it about us. We are a church who is very targeted on the mission that God has given us of helping people find and follow God. And that goes all the way back to our very beginning. That goes back to 1979 when this church was planted in Wheeling, West Virginia by God. Um, and, And let me explain exactly what I mean by that. Young couple in Southern California, actually, let me back up from that. 1970s. Anybody remember the 70s? You weren't there. No, I'm just kidding. So that's the 60s, right? If you were, anyway. So 1970s. Very different world than today. Uh, And church was very different. You know, mostly what existed were traditional churches where you put on your suit and your tie and you come and, you know, you have a nice clean haircut and and, and all of that. Well, if you uh, know anything about the 60s and 70s, there was a whole new generation coming up that didn't cut their hair, didn't put on suits and ties, and were missing Jesus because there wasn't a church to... uh, to welcome them. And so what happened in the midst of that is people started reaching out to these young, I know, so today we say, excuse me, today we say, okay, boomer, right? Uh, But back then the boomers were teenagers. And and so this generation is missing Jesus and people start reaching out to them in the name of Jesus and they start coming to faith and there's a revival that breaks out. And it's called the Jesus Movement. And it happens through the 70s. And, and uh, it started out in Southern California. And what happened is uh, 
they try to plug in as they start coming to faith in Jesus, they start trying to plug into churches. They're not welcome at churches because they don't wear ties and they don't cut their hair and they don't wear shoes and, you know, they kind of mess the place up. And, and so what they started to gather on the beaches of Southern California and they'd bring their guitars because everybody played guitar back then and, 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 and their drums. And, and so all these new worship songs start coming out, stuff that we take for granted, like the contemporary worship music. That's where it started. And, um, and gatherings of these young people. And it was pretty amazing. And so there were several churches that grew out of that movement. One of them was the Vineyard. Uh, and there was a young couple, uh, Todd and Debbie Hunter. They were late teens, early 20s, had been through a Bible training class. And, and uh, they felt like they were being called to plant a church back east to take this new kind of church to the kids back east. Uh, I sat down with Todd at one point and said, tell me the story. And he, and he almost teared up and looked in my eyes and said, it, it was just unjust that a whole generation of kids is missing Jesus because there's not a church that they're welcome at. And we need to take this back east. And so their plan was to plant a church in the eastern United States and spread it all over the eastern United States. So I'm thinking, okay, I'm listening to the story. I'm like, so you're going to go to, to a cultural center, you know, an influencer city like Atlanta or D.C. or New York. And they said, well, that's what we were thinking. But we went away. There was a second couple, and all four of them went away, prayed independently, separately for a week, fasted, came back, and unanimously felt like God was calling them to West Virginia. So at that point, because they were from Southern California and they didn't even know West Virginia was a state, they had to get a map out to figure out where we were. And, uh, and so the, they're like, all right, well, here are the you know, five major cities or whatever. Let's go pray independently and separately again. And again, unanimously, a week later, Wheeling was where they were supposed to come. Now, if I were God, I would have gone for one of the big cities. I would have, you know, strategically, let's go for a culturally influencing city. Nothing against Wheeling, but we're not a culturally influencing city, right? And, um, and so they came to Wheeling, and they planted this church in 1979. And uh, the amazing thing is, is that their goal, what, what, what they set out to do, which was to plant churches all over the eastern United States, happened from here. People would come from all over the eastern United States here, be trained up, and then sent back to their communities. Guys, we were the 14th vineyard church ever planted and the first one east of the Mississippi. There are now six or 700 vineyards around the United States and thousands around the world. And that's the story of our church. And God put this church here for a reason. And, you know, I, I think to, to accomplish the mission of putting churches all over and spreading this, spreading this new movement around, around the eastern part of the country, that could have happened from anywhere. But there's a reason he put it here. And I think beyond the fact that this church has been a light in, in this community for all those years, and, and it has been, I think there, there is something even more significant to come. Like, God works in, in, in terms of decades and centuries, not, not necessarily years. And, and there is more to come. And in fact, you know, as we always say, I believe the best is yet to come. And one of the things I love about that story is that it communicates loud and clear that, uh, that we're just not content to sit around. 
like are going to pick up everything and move, listen to what God says, trust him enough to do what he says, move across the country to a town I've never heard of before so that the kids back east can hear about Jesus and have a place where they can grow in faith and the next generation can come to life in, in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Guys, you all, uh, as, a, as a congregation, you know, we, I guess, demonstrated just a few years ago when we moved to the Capitol Theater that that hasn't changed. You know, it would be very easy to hang out in our comfortable building that we've been in for 25 years, that we just come in and turn on the lights and, and, uh, and it's cozy and it feels like home. Some of you who are in your early 20s grew up in that building. It, it's home, right? And it's comfortable, and yet when we realized, you know what, we can't reach any more people because we can't seat any more people, we were willing to make ourselves a little bit uncomfortable and move downtown where the streets have no name, or at least they look like they've been blown up. Uh, that's changing, by the way. That's, that's all going to, we're, we're 18 months away, 18 to 24 months away from a beautiful downtown. This is going to be a really neat spot. But we've been, we've been at it for a while, right? And we were willing to come down and do this because what? It's not about us. It is about the mission that God has given us of helping people find and follow God. And God is doing a new thing. You know, that helping people find and follow God mission is really a bridge-building mission. It's about building bridges between God and the people He so desperately loves who don't know Him yet. That's what it's about. And really, that's the mission of Christianity. In Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, that's where we get this mission statement of helping people find and follow God. And, um, and this is what it says. Jesus Jesus has, he has been crucified, he has risen from the dead, he spends about 40 days with his disciples after having spent three years with them, and he's getting ready to leave, and he says, look, I'm going away, I will be back, in the meantime, all of this is in your hands, you are the plan, you are the, uh, your plan A, there is no plan B, I need you to do this, and here's what I want you to do, and this is what he says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Go help people find me. Go build a bridge between people who don't know me and me. Go make disciples. And then he says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now, we didn't include that in our little pithy mission statement because it, was, it would have been more than seven words and you wouldn't remember it. So we kind of, we the baptizing part, we just do and we will always do. And in fact, we're going to baptize 22 people today. So it's going to be pretty amazing. And that's really a picture, that's a picture for the rest of us. It's a powerful thing for the people who are being baptized, but it's a picture for the rest of us of, hey, we are doing what Jesus gave us to do. We are on mission and on target. So help people find him, baptize them, and then teach them to obey everything I've commanded you, Jesus says. Teach them how to follow God, helping people find and follow God. That's the mission. There's, like, don't get distracted by everything else, this is what we are given to do. And this is what I believe as a church, the vineyard has been all about for all of these years. And then Jesus says this, and this is really profound, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. 
What does that mean? Well, Jesus made clear when he left, I'm going to send my spirit. My spirit's going to live in you and be with you and guide you and lead you and, and all of that. And here's what I found over the years. When a church or a people or a person is about the Great Commission, when we are doing what Jesus gave us to do, helping people find and follow God, the Holy Spirit is constantly at work. His presence is active among us. It's when we lose sight of that mission, that bridge-building mission that we've been given, that, that things grow dry and dusty and start to die. But when we are about what God has given us to do, man, he shows up, and doesn't he? It's amazing. The Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 10, verse 13, puts it this way. He says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they've not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? He's describing a bridge-building mission, like we have to build these bridges between God and the people that he loves. And he's like, and how can anyone preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Guys, the bridge builders have a beauty to their lives that the rest of the world lacks. There is, there's something real and genuine and loving and, and, and powerful about their lives. It's a bridge building mission. In 2 Corinthians 5, the Apostle Paul says, if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. They're brand new. Like there's this miracle that goes on. Their sins are forgiven. They're made new from the inside out by the power of the Spirit. And then he says this in verse 18, all of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. So God reconciles us to, to himself through Jesus and what he did on the cross and gave us this ministry of reconciliation. Jesus leaves. He goes, your plan A, there is no plan B. Go build bridges. Go help people find me and follow me. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us this message of reconciliation and then the last part, I love it. He says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. What does an ambassador do? An ambassador leaves one kingdom, goes to another kingdom, builds relationships so that bridges can be built between those two kingdoms. Ambassadors are bridge builders. Guys, followers of Jesus our bridge builders. This is what we do. This is what we've been given to do. And in fact, this was God's plan from the very beginning. That he would build a bridge to us. That God would put on skin in the person of Jesus Christ, come down and live a sinless life so that he could die a sacrificial death, building the bridge between God and people, taking care of the sin problem so that we could have a relationship with God and then he puts this mission, and we're not going to die for anybody's sins, but there's a lot of people that don't know. So he says, now I want you to build bridges between this truth and this reality and this salvation and the people who don't know it yet. And that's the mission of the church, and that's the mission of my followers, and that's what he's given us to do. The church is a bridge-building mission. 
building bridges between God and the people he loves so much. Anybody remember COVID? It was quite a time, wasn't it? And in, in, in every sector and in church world, it was quite a time. There was a lot of praying, a lot of listening, a lot of God, what do we do next? How do we, how do we react to this new thing that seemed like every other week there was something new to, to react to? And, and we really spent a lot of time asking God, what do we do? Because we would rather be led than lucky or led than smart. And so we spent a lot of time praying. And as we were getting ready to come back here to the Capitol, we were able to purchase a building across the street that we call our kids center. You guys walk by it every day on the on on, on your way into church when you come, and and um, and that solved a big problem for us as far as kids space. That was really a challenge for us when we were here before COVID because the ballroom just really wasn't conducive for children's ministry. And so God gave us that building. Really, it was kind of a kind of a miraculous story. We ended up buying it for nearly half of what they originally wanted for it. Thank you, COVID. And um, and uh, and so we're praying, God. What do you want us to do? How do you, how do we accomplish the Great Commission beyond doing a church service and uh, groups and all the ministry that we do? We just felt like God was calling us into another level of mission. And what bridges do you want us to build? And uh, as, as that vision started to come together for where we go next and what it looks like next, and that's part of what this series is about, um, we put together this, this initiative called Bridging the Gap. And I, I am so excited to share with you a little bit of just practical vision about how we're going to build God's kingdom and accomplish his mission for the, over the next couple of years. I asked Matt Parsons, our worship arts director, who is an incredibly talented guy, to uh, work on a video to help tell that story. And so we're gonna take a look at that now and I'll be back in a minute. Some big stuff. Guys, these, these projects, um, I really believe God has given to us. He wants us to do them and I think they're going to have impact that is going to ripple for generations. That child care center has the potential to reach 250 to 300 kids every week for 40 hours a week that we, we don't usually touch. We don't usually have influence in those families' lives, and it's going to be a powerful, powerful uh, endeavor. And so I hope you're, you're good to come along. Uh, and I do believe that this is God's gift to us in this season. Uh, I, I think it's God's gift to you in this season because, um, well, every one of us needs something to live for that's bigger than ourselves. Uh, and this is a practical expression of God's kingdom. And God's kingdom is that thing that we need to live for that's bigger than ourselves. You know, on July 2nd, 1982, there was a guy named Larry Walters. You ever heard of Larry Walters? Say no. All right, so Larry Walters uh, uh, was 33 years old. He, he was, uh, you know, he had a job, life was fine. He lived in Southern California, but he was kind of bored. So one day he went to the, uh, the Army surplus store and bought 45 uh, weather balloons and tied them to a lawn chair and filled them with helium. Now, have you heard of Larry Walters? Maybe. So Larry's sitting in his backyard with his lawn chair tied down and 45 weather balloons flo floating above his lawn chair. Uh, he's got a BB gun in hand so he can shoot a balloon or two to drop back down to earth when it's time. And what he does is he, he cuts loose the lawn chair and the thing takes off like a rocket. I mean, 
flies into the air so fast that he is absolutely terrified, too scared to actually let go of the lawn chair and shoot a balloon. So he just goes all the way up to 16,000 feet. And just, just for clarification's sake, he was not from China. Um, and, and, and he's, he's floating across Southern California. He goes in, he goes in front of the, fl- the, uh, enter- the flight entrance path for Long Beach Airport. He's breaking all kinds of laws. And, uh, and I don't think he's having much fun. I don't think he expected it to go this way. Eventually things stabilize and he shoots a couple of the balloons and it starts to come down and he ends up getting tangled in some high, high powered electric wires and they have to shut off electricity to that whole part, that whole region. It's a big deal. They get him, bring him down. He's in a lot of trouble. But before he goes to jail, the media wants to know, you know, they want to have their interview. And so they ask him three questions. First question they ask him is, you know, Larry, were you scared? Yes. Yes, I was. Absolutely. It was terrifying. Oh, oh, Larry, will you do it again? No, no. Maybe he didn't want to get arrested again. I don't know. But he said, absolutely not. Won't do it again. And then the third question was so profound. Larry, why did you do it? And this, these are his exact words. A man can't just sit around. You can't live this life without a purpose. You will grow bored and then you will grow self-destructive. <laughs> That's what happens, isn't it? You have to have a purpose in your life that is bigger than you, bigger than your comfort, bigger than your entertainment, bigger than your pleasure. We have to. We were created for it. It's the way God designed people to work. And his kingdom is that purpose. That brings me to point number one. You can open up to page 18 in your book there. There are notes, and it says this. You need a purpose to live for that is priority over your comfort. You need a purpose to live for that is priority over your comfort. And that's God's kingdom. Jesus put it this way. He said, either you're going to live for your kingdom and your kingdom is going to be first priority or you're going to live for God's kingdom and God's kingdom is going to be first priority. That's the competition in your heart. And ultimately, whatever is first priority will be your God, either God or your kingdom, either God's kingdom or your kingdom. Guys, the reality is if we get honest with, if you got a quiet moment away from your phone, and just, you know, kind of go sit on a mountaintop somewhere and, and reflect on your life and the decisions that you make with how you live it and where, you know, what you do with your stuff, with your, with your time, with your, your relationships, with, with your money, all of that. The reality is, if we're really, really honest, most of us are building our kingdom, not God's. It's just the truth. I got to speak to the college group, The Way, the other night, and it was all, and my message was all about whose kingdom are you building? Because we are so marketed and messaged to that it is all about us, and even followers of Jesus who know up here that it's not all about us live like it's all about us. It's just really kind of subtle. And God is inviting us to build his kingdom, to make it about him first. If your provision and your pleasure are your highest purpose, you are missing out on what Jesus has laid out for us in this life. 
And that brings me to the second point. You have been blessed to be the blessing. This is not a new point for you guys. If you've been around for any length of time, you've heard this at least once a year, right? We've been blessed to be the blessing. And we have been blessed. Guys, as the people of the Ohio Valley, we have been blessed to be the blessing to this community, to shine the light of Christ in this community, to shape the culture of this community. That's why we're here. And we have been blessed. And this is a principle that goes all the way back to Abraham. You know, in Genesis chapter 12, when God calls Abraham, he's a pagan worshiper in the desert, uh, and God shows up and says, Abraham, I'm going to do something brand new with you. I'm going to bless you. Yeah, well, let me, let me just read it. He said, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I will show you. So God calls Abram, who will become Abraham, to take a step of faith, leave everything he knows, and not go to a spot on the map, but go in a direction and trust me. So Abraham has to take this step of faith and trust in God. And then God gives him a promise. He says, so if you do, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. And guys, this is a principle that is woven through the story arc of Scripture from the Old Testament into the New Testament. This is why we are here. We have been blessed to be a blessing. And I know some of us are like, well, I'm not all that blessed. If you live in the United States of America, you're in the top 5% of the wealthiest people on the planet. Do you know there are a billion people who go to bed hungry every night? A billion. We are very blessed people. We are the wealthiest nation in the history of the world. And every one of us has been blessed to be a blessing. But, again, I think going back to marketing, we've all been influenced to, to buy into what I call comfort culture. Comfort is the God of our age, isn't it? I don't want to be rich, I just want to be comfortable. Right? I want my kids to be comfortable. I just want... If life is about comfort and provision first, then we got a problem. And that's how we live, most of us. And I'm not saying this to beat anybody up. I'm saying this because I believe through this next six weeks, God wants to change some things in our heart and change some perspectives in the way that we see the world that will break your heart free and help you to win at life and find the life that you're looking for. Most people in our culture live life like it's all about our comfort, our pleasure, our entertainment, our provision. And God, if there's anything left at the end, end of the, the week, the month, the year, whatever God can, at the end of my life, well, God can have a little bit of that. Jesus taught us to turn that upside down. He taught us to turn that upside down. Jesus put it this way. He said, if you will seek first my kingdom then everything else you need will be taken care of. If you build my kingdom first, the rest of it will all come together. It's a kingdom priority issue. And every one of us has a choice. And the reality is, even those of us that have been in church forever, 
We are a product of the culture that we live in unless we intentionally go, oh, wait a second, that's not right. And our culture has influenced all of us to believe that it's all about us and it's about our kingdom first in a practical way, even if we would not acknowledge it up here. Seek first my kingdom, Jesus said. Third thing is this. You get to choose who you're going to live for, him or you. You get to choose who you're going to live for, him or you. And that's not primarily a money issue. It does impact our, the way we handle stuff. It certainly does. But it impacts the way we handle our bodies, the way we handle our relationships, our careers, everything, our families, all of it. Are we living for us first or for him first? What is human nature? Tell me. To live for me first, right? Jesus calls us to do the opposite. It's a heart issue. It's a heart issue. Where's my heart? Where's my heart invested first? Where's your heart invested first? Your comfort or his kingdom? It's a priority issue. You know, it doesn't mean that Christians aren't allowed to have nice things and go on vacations and, and um, have a career or whatever else. Those are all part of life. It's a priority issue. What's first, God's kingdom or your kingdom? It's a perspective issue. One of the most powerful steps that anyone will make in their discipleship journey is when you go from everything I have is mine and God gets a little to everything I own is God's 100%. And not just our stuff, our relationships, our careers, our, all of those things. It's all God's. Guys, when you make that switch in your thinking and in your heart, everything changes. If you have a, uh, an investment broker, you know, I promise you, he's not laying awake at night worried about your money. You know why? Because it's your money. It's not his money. When you realize that it all belongs to God, you don't lay awake at night worrying about it. Because it's his. It's a faith issue. We're going to talk about faith here in a couple weeks in this, this journey that we're going to go on, but do you trust God enough to do what he says? Do you trust God enough to do what he says, even when it scares you, even when you're like, I'm not sure how that would work out? Do you trust God enough to do what he says? That's faith. And lastly, it's a discipleship issue. Stewardship is discipleship. And your relationship with money directly impacts your relationship with God. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to bump into that a little bit. And here's what I want to invite you to do. Before you put up walls and go, oh, you can't talk about all that, just let God work on your heart and see where you are in six weeks. That, that sound fair? Keep coming back and see what God does inside of you over the next six weeks. Because we're going to go on a six-week adventure here. I think that's going to be transformative for every single one of us if we're willing to engage. It will change the way you see the world. It will change the way you navigate life. And it will bring blessing to you. 
and God will use you to be the blessing give you purpose. My promise, I'm not going to pressure anybody to do anything. I'm going to invite you to pray and listen for God's voice. Um, I'll teach you what the Bible has to say about faith lived out, and then you can work that out between you and God. I want you to be here every week. We've already talked about that. Get into a life group on your way out. Get signed up for a life group. Go to the website. Find a group. Get into a group. Because what God is doing in your heart oftentimes becomes more real as we open our mouths and process that with other people. Pray and listen for God's voice, and then do whatever he says. Now, I know there are at least a couple people in here that are going, oh, we're talking about money in church, and we shouldn't talk about money in church, and pastors are always wanting your money, and blah, blah, blah. No, not really. Again, if you've been around here for any length of time, you know we do talk about our stuff and our money and how we handle that because it is a discipleship issue, but probably not as much as we should, not nearly as much as Jesus did. Jesus talked a lot about stuff, and he talked a lot about generosity. The Bible talks a lot about generosity and giving, so much so that it dwarfs any other topic. The Bible refers to prayer 371 times over the course of the 66 chapters. It refers to love 714 times. That's, that's impressive. Do you know how many times it refers to generosity and giving and how we handle our stuff and our hearts around all of that? 2,162 times. Jesus kept coming back to this topic over and over again, not because Jesus needed anybody's money, and if he was doing it to get rich, he was really lousy at it because he died with nothing. Because it was never about getting more money. It was about people's hearts. And that's what God is after on this topic. He doesn't need your money. God has every resource on the planet. He wants your heart. And what you do with your money and your stuff and how you handle generosity in your life shows where your heart is. And it also, as Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. As we choose to be generous, it also directs our heart to where he wants it to be. Jesus was so passionate about this topic. He said, you know what? You're going to be a, either a slave to money. And what he meant by that, you're either going to be a slave to fear or greed. Those are the topics surrounding stuff that really trip us up. And we will worship either our fear or our greed, or you'll worship God. Like, those are, those are your options. He was crystal clear about that. Now, again, I'm not going to pressure anybody and i hope that uh i hope that that's clear this is something that i want for you not from you i want every one of us to make the perspective switch that everything is god's i want every one of us to hear god's voice in the days ahead i want to see a spiritual transformation in the lives of everyone in our church 
as we walk through this process. God has given us some projects to work on, some expressions of his kingdom that we all get to come around and get excited about and build together, and that's going to be fun, and it's going to be awesome in the community. But I am just as excited about what God wants to do in your heart over the course of the next six weeks. And I pray that you will open your heart and let him speak to you and let him work in you and let him challenge you and let him stretch you, and it's going to be fun. Two-year journey. We're going to do this over the next two years, and over the next two years, we are going to make a, a difference in our community and our world. We're going to impact the next generation as we build out a kid center for Sunday mornings that will enable us to fill this theater maybe twice on Sunday mornings, that will impact families through the preschool and child care center, that will impact the broken through the Women's Hope Center, that will impact the least as we help do a church expansion in Costa Rica in a slum and that will impact the Ohio Valley with one of the more visible buildings in our city, right at the gateway, as we put up a big, not a billboard on the side of the, but the building itself is a statement to our community that we are here for the Ohio Valley. Guys, I believe this is a watershed moment in the history of our church. And I believe this will be a watershed moment in many of our lives if we come along for the ride. So, this week, pray. Pray. Keep that widow's might in your pocket or wherever you're going to see it most readily, and whenever you see it, remember to pray. Keep that, that pledge card in your somewhere where you're going to see it, and remember to pray. I'm going to ask that every one of us prays earnestly for all that we talked about this morning and for what God would have you do. And then I want you to listen. Listen for God's voice, and as He speaks to you, do what He says. For some of us, as I said in the video, you're going to hear the Lord's voice for the very first time in the coming weeks, and that's really exciting. And then lastly, I'm just going to challenge you to do what he says. And if you do, we got this. You know, said in the video, there's two goals. The secondary goal is to raise $2.5 million over the next two years. We got that. That's not going to be a problem if we achieve the first goal, which is 100% engagement. That every single one of us listens for God, that we seek God, that we pray God, and we pray to God, and we ask Him to blow our hearts wide open. And then we trust Him enough to do what He says as He speaks into our hearts. Guys, this is the way we are called to live as Christians. This is just an opportunity to take some steps into that that will change your life moving forward. We're going to baptize some folks this morning. And uh, one of the things I love about baptism is that it is a visible expression of what God is doing in people's lives. It's a visible expression of what God is doing in and through the ministry of our church. And it's so powerful. God loves baptism. Just so we're all on the same page. Baptism is 
three things. It's a symbol. It's a symbol that the Apostle Paul lays out for us of being joined with Jesus in his death, his burial as we go under the water, and his resurrection as we come up out of the water to a brand new life. It's also a symbol of the washing away of our sins. Now, sin is not washed away by the water in these tubs. Our sin is washed away by the death of Jesus on the cross and us placing our faith in him. But it is a picture of a spiritual reality that is just mind-blowing. It gives us a way to kind of get our heads around it a little bit. It's also a statement of faith. Every person who comes up and is baptized this morning is declaring publicly to everyone in this room and everybody watching online that I have decided to follow Jesus. I am in on Jesus. And that is a powerful step in their journey with God. And lastly, it's a step of obedience. As we read in, in earlier in Matthew, Jesus said to do this, be baptized. And so the folks who are being baptized are taking a step of obedience in their journey with God. Now, Scripture says, Jesus said, that when someone turns and comes home to the Father, that there's a huge party in heaven. The angels throw down. And I believe when we do baptisms, there's a party going on in heaven. I think there's a party going on in the spiritual realm in this room. And God leans in. And there is something very sacred that happens here. And so as we celebrate this, we're going to baptize, I think, 22 people today. Seven guys from the uh, Hope Center. So things are already rolling there. It's super exciting. I want you guys to raise the roof. Let's just sing and shout and celebrate and clap and pray and let's celebrate what God has done, what he's doing, and what he is about to do. Thanks for joining us on the Vineyard Church Podcast today. It's our greatest desire for people to find and follow God, and we hope this podcast is one way that helps you do just that. But don't stop here. We would love to see you face-to-face. God's people grow most in community, so don't forget you can join us live at the Capitol Theater in downtown Wheeling every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. If you'd like to connect with us in the meantime, make sure to visit our website, vineyardwheeling.com, or download our app. You can catch up on previous messages and series, request prayer, and even download additional content. Thanks again for joining us this week. We'll see you next time.